listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Broadcastbasement.com. Welcome to episode 126 of Cinemental. What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. Your mother sit here with his cars. Would you like to leave a message? I see that she gets it. It was as if there were four razors cutting at the same time. Kill her, mommy. Kill her. We'll tear your soul apart. I've seen the exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Movie Podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Latham Conger III. Our returning guest is an Emmy Award-winning cartoonist best known for creating Billy Dogma and The Red Hook, collaborating with Harvey Picard, Jonathan Ames, and illustrating for HBO's Bored to Death. His published work includes writing and drawing for Marvel, DC, Archie, Image Comics, and Webtoon. He's an accomplished playwright and coming all the way from Brooklyn, New York, our friend, Dean Haspiel. Welcome back to Cinemental, Dean. Thanks for having me back. Great to talk to you guys. Always uh, always a treat to have you on. You pick, you, you pick fun, <laughs> interesting. It's really interesting this week because uh, so next week we actually start recording our Scaramental episodes for October. Mm. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, next week's one, one of next week's films is the original exorcist so oh fantastic how exciting we can we can go we can have you guys ever noticed this sci-fi channel does this all the time and i don't fucking understand the thinking behind it but you'll turn it on in the morning and they're like playing friday the 13th they're are they're playing like jason x or they're playing or they're playing nightmare on elm street uh or they're playing like you know freddy's freddy's you know final nightmare or whatever and then they continue through the series, but backwards. Oh. Like they play them from the last movie through the first movie. It's the weirdest goddamn thing. I thought it was a mistake the first time I saw him do it, like as some sort of programming error. But this happens all the time with them. Maybe it's a millennial thing. You know how, or is it even younger, like Generation Y or whatever? They just want to know what the endings are. So they just want the ending of the series. <laughs> And go back. I've seen him do it with Child's Play. I've seen him do it with the Final Destination movies. I've seen him do it with Freddy. I've seen him do it with Jason. I, I just, I don't understand the thinking behind playing them in reverse order. And I've tried to, I've tried, to, I've actually thought about it. And I'm like, I, I can't figure out any possible upside to it. So whatever. Anyway. What's uh, the sci-fi channel? <laughs> it was formerly the sci-fi channel. But now oh, it's now it's sci-fi jam. Yeah, now it's Sifi. Yeah. Yes, now it's now it's um, Sifi. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say something about like I don't even watch the sci-fi channel, but yeah. uh, Latham Latham kind of yeah, we both stepped all over that. He stepped I, all over it. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> I'm waiting for them to. I'm waiting for them to bring back the 4:30 movie, man. <laughs> 4.30 a.m. or p.m.? Yeah, that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Because either it could be either one with the Sci-Fi Channel. I can't watch either, so I, that's why I wouldn't care. <laughs> you know, it's sad that when that when that channel started, it was like really middling. It was it was nothing special, but it it specialized in just showing old TV shows and you know and yeah, anything it based good, on cool, it, old, old cartoons. Program. Yeah, and I mean, it was just in the middle of the in the middle of the day. They had a lot of pop culture like new-ish shows like uh they were very low budget but they had like the sci-fi buzz and they had you know a couple other shows like yeah where people would go around and go to conventions and talk about what's going on and it was just niche and i know you know that people get a hold of it and they have a vision and they want to you know they want to expand it and want to broaden it so they broadened it to this like amazing platform where they were making brand new tv shows and you know they were they were trying to corner the 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 sci-fi market on uh, on on original content, and then that couldn't sustain itself. So then they just turned into a wrestling sh- uh, a channel, and then they turned into Sharknado, oh. and then it just it just devolves from there. And it's just it's yeah. just it's just crap now. I mean, it's just happy. They're, they're like proud to be crap now. It's just mm. the saddest thing. Mm-hmm. It took the MTV route. Yeah, if it had never stepped away from the niche. I remember discovering that channel one morning before going, I think I was going, I think it was in, uh, I was in college. I, I just before, you know, heading out to, to class and I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, where, where did this come from? And I thought it was like what they used to do, like what Cablevision used to do back in the days. They would, they would have these dead links, they, these dead channels that didn't have anything on it. And then one day there would be some some content on it. And then it would be dead again in a couple of like in a couple of weeks or, you know, it just they just, you know, it just wasn't an even it wasn't a perfect system. Yeah. And so I kept expecting the sci fi channel just to vanish. But no, it, it actually started to expand. It had bumpers. It had, you know, it just yeah. it, it had their own, you know, their their own, you know, started to form its own identity. So it was a, it was a real great discovery. And then as soon as the, you know, soon, I'm sure as soon as some entrepreneur guy came along and said, we could make this, uh, you know, a viable channel, you know, just like uh, FX or something like that. That's when they, you know, they, they lost I mean, sight of the, the mission statement. Yeah. Like, like, like all of the genre based channels, streaming channels out there, you know, before them, before streaming, uh, there were a lot of them that tried broadcast networks that were fully genre based, you know, and just failed miserably because they couldn't get, like you said, they couldn't they couldn't figure out how to build it beyond, you know, you know, just buying old shows built around their genre. You know, I mean, right. it, sci-fi, you know, they would play a little of everything, you know, they you know, they stayed away from like the Hallmark Channel stuff, obviously. But I mean, they would still <laughs> they were they were going at it with a much wider scope. They were doing sci fi, mild horror, you know, and then eventually they did real horror stuff. You know, But but like, yeah. but when you came along to the streaming model and you could get channels could launch themselves and go, well, we're going to create a streaming network. All we need is a server farm to host everything and, you know, a front basically a front page and a web location. I mean, you know, and then when when AMC brought Shutter out and it was I'd be finally able to make horror work because I mean there were like a dozen early channels horror like straight horror based channels that tried and just failed. And yeah. and they they just couldn't they just couldn't do it. I mean it took somebody with the backing of like a major well a major a mid-major, you know, network like AM a cable network like AMC to actually yeah. put the money behind it and build the framework out behind it. So it had something sturdy to stand on. And that's, you know, why we've got now, that's why things now you can like, 
you see all these really super weird channels. Like I was watching. So I have a, I have a uh, subscription, not a subscription. I have a account on Plex. Now Plex, you can, you can upload and store your own copies of movies on this. And then you can stream them from the, from their site. So you can literally upload your copies of movies to it and store them all there as opposed to keeping them in your computer or on your whatever. And then all you have to do is just go to the site, log into the site and you can stream them anywhere. There's Wi-Fi. Okay. That's cool. In addition to them having their own content as well, but they buy like all the bargain basement packages of these films that are just absolute schlock, you know, but you find a lot of really great old schlock there because of that fact, but they have a full range of schlock, not just like schlocky horror and sci-fi stuff. Um, but I logged on to their site not that long ago and found out that they have like 400 random streaming channels of just, just random content. And like the channels are just called like arbitrary names or words or whatever. And you can just scan through them. And there's just all this stuff playing there all the time. Anything from like, uh, like worldwide sporting events, you know, there's cricket matches and shit like that. And then down to like uh, bad old TV shows that like you didn't even think are even available anywhere. Like you'll run across and suddenly that's playing like an episode of like, uh, what was that fucking, uh, what was that? What was man and machine, you know, something like that. Remember Man and Machine uh, with uh, Yancey yeah. Butler? Holy uh, shit. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's just crazy how much like streaming stuff is out there that like, unless you go looking for it, you don't even realize how much shit is out there that you can just, you can just grab and like look at. There is yeah. a, there's a, a ton. I mean, it's, it's mostly crap. Don't get me wrong. But if you're looking for something for free, I mean, it's, <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried for Steve. I think he's going to be living in an iron lung in about a year. Staring <laughs> at all the free content he's yeah. streaming and downloading and uploading. And right. So, you know, oh like, like old school cable, like, like coaxial cable, it, it used to be kind of content with offering like a, a, a wide variety of weird stuff, you know, um, yeah. just like, kind of like UHF on you whenever you could pick up UHF on your TV and you're, you you know, you're watching schlock channels, you know, and you don't care. It's just, it's just something other than the, 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 the pomp it's, and circumstance and the right. polish of all these other networks. It's not network and, TV. Exactly. And the sci-fi channel as you know, and, and some of the other channels that we were talking about, we're, we're happy to be one of those, you know, those pieces yeah. of like just ancillary content that 100%. if you were interested and then for some reason, the model of the day became everybody can be a rock star. You know, every yes. one of these channels can be a super, you know, and it, and yeah. obviously not. So now even the niche content that we would have all liked is gone. And you're watching reruns of WWF or, you know, Ghost Hunter. There's, you know, there's a Ghost Hunter marathon on like five different channels now. And and it's like, well, what do, you, what do you do with this? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how is this better content than what you were showing before? Do you know who no. you have to thank for that? No, I do not know who. who. Ted Turner. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Ted Turner, dude, TBS and TNT built that model. Uh, and WG, yeah. WGN in Chicago started the same way. Yeah. 
They became a syndicated, they became syndicated channels. They were some of the first cable networks. Yep. Well, yeah. I mean, they've, they've done some good, you of know, course. but they, but just like, just like Blockbuster, Blockbuster came and ate all the mom and pop, <laughs> you know, video stores. Right. And then Netflix destroyed Blockbuster. So now you can't get video. <laughs> now you can't get DVDs or videos anywhere unless you order them online or find them in like a, like, like a novelty shops. It's kind of strange. Like, you know, but now, but look at all the great mom and pop streaming channels we have. <laughs> for the time being, you know, until the model comes for them too. the title. That's way. right. You too can be a great channel. All you have to do is I'm going to start my own. Well, we've got that. We've got that with YouTube. People have their own, people are their own oh TV, their, their own their own TV channels. There you go. And it's horrible. And, it, and it like is. you can't watch it for six minutes without a goddamn commercial that pops up in the middle of someone's sentence. Yeah. It's not even regulated to the point where it has like even breaks right. where you could just oh yeah, here comes a commercial. You know, it's it's worse than television. Absolutely. I'm done. I'm good. I'm all right. So uh <laughs> speaking of all that consumption, we should suffer from it. Latham. <laughs> Latham, go first. You watch nothing. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> That's not why I go first with you. I go first with you because you always go first. Yeah, okay. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I've got close to nothing. <laughs> we finished the fifth season of ER. So that's ah, very nice. Can I, can I ask where you're streaming ER? I have all the DVD sets. Oh, all right. Well, uh, the old, the old-fashioned way. You do, you do. <laughs> He's hardcore, man. Yeah, he is. He's doing it like a trooper. You know, like I'm doing it myself. God damn it! All right. Like when I watch, awesome. when, I, when I eventually watch Deadwood, I have all those DVD sets. I'm not going to stream it. I'm just going to watch the DVD. So, hey, man, I, 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 I have no judgment. <laughs> I'm all for it. Yeah, eventually, uh, I will sell all these DVDs. Hopefully, maybe once, not. once oh. you've watched them all. Yeah, once I've watched all of them. Oh, no, wait, but that, them. oh wait, then then you'll be dead. Yeah, well, it'll never, yeah. There's Eventually, media it, now to consume without aging past the point of death. So that's it. Eventually, the nameless, faceless horde of, of villainy of wh- whoever is against this country is going to hit us with an EMP. Oh, so you're going to want all that all that tangible content with your generator, your home generators and stuff like is, that. That is the only <laughs> way my stuff remains relevant. Good point, Hassan. Thank <laughs> you very much. I always look for the for the black lining around the cloud. That's what I, I love. It. I love it. Um, so we watch that. Uh, we are on the third part of the Netflix 9-11 documentary, which is really, really good. Really good. Yeah. Really thorough. And if you read the 9-11 report, which took me like three months to read, but Jesus Christ it was well worth it. And it, it, it correlates a lot of the stuff in there with really good video and when they get to the the Guantanamo Bay stuff, it's really, really like, holy fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, some I was not is- expecting it to be as as comprehensive as it is. Like it, it yeah. just it goes so far beyond, you know, uh, what you think it would be originally. But yeah, exactly. you're, you're right. It's comprehensive and yet personal by letting individuals tell their stories and. Uh, it's just re- it's just really good. It's it's really concise and and good to watch. Uh, and then we did start watching a new series um, called Only Murders in the Building. Oh, I'm watching that uh, next. Uh, we just it's, yeah, it's really really well written. It's just, only six episodes, and they're like half hour episodes. So 
Oh, there's only six. They said that there was 10 the first season. No. Oh, I could have. Well, on I, when I was looking at the thing on Hulu, it said something about the next two episodes, but I, maybe there is, I don't know. Maybe it only listed the next two that were going to be available because it showed the next two episodes and, and like the dates they were going to be available, but I didn't yeah, see. You maybe, might be right. You maybe there's right. more. Um, it, but it is, it is, uh, renewed for the next season. 10 um, episodes. Oh, it's 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm looking at it okay. right now. It's 10. There you go. Uh, but it's, it's really well directed and told. It's very simple. Uh, not simple, but, uh, compact because almost everything takes place in the building. Um, the three leads are great. Um, and it's 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 funny. There's some really funny parts in it that are that are laugh out loud, and then there's some like gruesome parts. It's really really weird weird uh, a show with a very strange tone. Uh, Good, but it's it's worth watching. Um, People are already talking about a season two, so I guess that's good news. Yeah, know? or or you know, it all, all depends. But yeah, I, I think it got news, renewed. It's resonating too. I think it did get renewed. So, it, but it's fun. It's fun. Uh, and that's all I watched. Hassan. Um, let's see. Oof. This, this week was a. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. Um, <laughs> I accidentally. I, I downloaded. <laughs> a... <laughs> I always love when he starts off that way. I accidentally. <laughs> I accidentally went down a. A Benson. Rabbit hole. Wow. Does anybody remember Benson? Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. I was on Crackle and I was like, oh, Benson, I haven't seen that. Crackle. That's I'm another, that's another one episode, of those just to, Oh my Yeah, God. just as you I checked out the first episode just to see if any of the humor held up. Uh-huh. And I and I and I'm almost finished <laughs> with season one. <laughs> and it did. So, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm just unique, you know, maybe it won't work on anybody else, but I was laughing my ass off. So <laughs> And it was in the, you know, that nostalgia shit too, you know, like, I remember this episode. When I damn, damn nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. Gets you every time. Damn you. Um, I watched another episode because they're all, they, they get they're They're seemingly being really sparsely released on, uh, on YouTube of uh, the dark side of the nineties. I've been watching. I think I mentioned that like either last week or the week before. Um, it's just a bunch of episodes from vice, but they're on YouTube. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's a you know, it says dark side of the '90s, so it it you know, pretty much tells you exactly um, what that's all about. Uh, another episode of Lower Decks, another episode of What If, uh, another episode of What We Do in the Shadows, which is f- really quickly becoming one of my favorite shows. Is that the third all season? Of... Yeah, we're in. Th- so that started. Now. Okay. Yeah. Yes, we're we're at uh, tomorrow be episode five, season three. Oh, good. I, st- I watched all the Star Wars Visions, which I didn't even realize was going to be released until I was on online last uh, the, early this morning. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's pretty good, but there's uh, there's a lot of uneven stuff in it, and it's it's very anime. So the the end of the 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 visuals are good, but the stories are kind of like I I don't understand what's going on now. It's like why is he why are they in space? So you know there's there's one or two moments like that. It's like these guys have no spacesuits and they're in space. I don't understand what's going on. The guy's sitting on the, the, the nose cone of his X-Wing fighter in space. It's just dumb. So, but it's, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. Um, 
I uh, I watched all of Turning Point uh, for uh, for nine eleven. So I I watched it all the way to the end, and it's uh, oh, you know, it's really good. I just don't know. It's, it's, I I just don't think I have any interest. I'll be honest. It, it, well, you know what? At least, I had at least to, right you know, now, Latham mentioned it last week, and I was like, yeah. "Fuck that! I'm not I'm not watching nine eleven. I'm not I'm not depressing myself." And you kind of. It's it's more so because I mean it's nothing a lot there's a lot of stuff that you didn't know was going on. There's a lot of information that you didn't realize, but it's nothing it it, it is exactly what you think it's gonna be. It's a, it's the telling of the story of, you know, some stuff in, in the beginning, uh before the incident, some stuff during the incident, some stuff after a lot of stuff after the incident. But I think it's the way it's the information is being given that that makes it compelling you know that that gets you kind of out of your own depression zone and your and your and your analytical brain is now digesting the information that you're being given so like the the emotionality is there but but also there's a oh you know i didn't know that was going on or that's a, you know that's a lot of yeah. intricacy for for this and that so it's 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 really good but i mean if you if that subject doesn't do anything for you yeah you, it's not going to do anything for you you should stay yeah. away I'll get to it someday. Um, yeah, and one day, one day you're gonna look at it and you go, you know what? I got, I, I got the bandwidth for it now. I'll watch yeah, I got it. four um, hours to kill. I'll do it. <laughs> I watched Lone Star, Five. which is a documentary about Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, which was oh, really good. And again, so really good. I'm sad. Wait, which uh, chapter was Moon, it? Which, which, is, which chapter was it? Was it first part or second part? Was it's the one pretty that de- comp- Yeah, I think I just saw. I watched it on Amazon, so yeah. it was just one, there one was, thing. Are you sure? Because I thought that there were two sections to that. There was one that like came on, like that and dealt with like his early year. Oh, man, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Never mind. No, sorry. because this was pretty comprehensive. It went okay. all the way up there, there, there. From what I saw, there wouldn't there wouldn't have been another part after it. Well, no, 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 no. But I mean, that's what I I saw that part as well. But I thought later when I went back and looked at Amazon. Another something Stevie something else Stevie Ray Vaughan came up, and I thought that it was another part of that. So I thought that maybe it was, but I think you're I think you're right. I'll look into it because I, I could see more of it. You know, I watched a yeah, documentary I, on. It's never good when you watch people uh, that they, they you know they have a lot of talent and they fall into a trap, and then just as they climb out of that trap, something really bad happens to them. You know, I don't know what's worse: watching people deteriorate from. You know, from habitual, you know, uh, uh, medication, self-medication, or watching them slowly deteriorate, recover, and then something else stupid happens to them. You know, like yeah. you get hit with a truck or something like that. It's it's, it's kind of hard to watch. Comet. Uh, watch the Dark Side of the Moon, which is a documentary about the the making of the album Dark Side of the Moon. I watched Unforgiven from 2013, the Ken Watanabe version of the movie. And it's uh, it's crazy good. Yeah, a lot of people in two thousand, yeah, two thousand thirteen. A lot of people don't even know it had, it exists, right? Nope. Ken Watanabe. There's a Japanese version of Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, and it's excellent. And it came out in twenty thirteen, and Ken Watanabe is playing the the Clint Eastwood part, and it's it's it replaces it, cowboys with samurai. Well, that would but, make sense. But is it it's, called Unforgiven. It's, yes. It's really good. It would you would find it under Unforgiven 2013. Okay, it's crazy good. It's it's comparable style, comparable budget, great you know comparable uh, acting. I love Ken and uh, you know 
Yeah. And if and I love uh, Unforgiven. So like you can we were watching that in movie night, so we were just picking out. It's like, ah, oh, there's Gene, there's a Gene yeah. Hackman role. Yeah, and there's a, you know, like there's, No, I do not like it. I think it's overrated. It shouldn't have won Best Picture. Yes, it should. Okay. Okay, Fair enough. going on, moving on. Well, you want, me, you want me to argue with you about that? No, I mean, no, no. that's your opinion. I was making it. under my breath commentary. Oh, I didn't even know this. Don't argue about sorry. that movie. Please don't argue about it. It doesn't matter. I'm going to edit it how I want. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the, we're going to have we're an epic. It, was, it would be an epic. You'll splice in past arguments, right? So it'd just be yeah. this epic, long, like 20 minute battle about. And whoever's listening is like, these guys are all over the place. They're not even arguing about one thing. <laughs> almost done. Almost done. Uh, I watched all of the Muhammad Ali Ken Burns documentary, Ooh. which is incredible. That's what I've heard. I've heard that it's absolutely sad. As, some of it is sad as fuck, but it's incredible. And you know, you know what? What? What fucking sucks about the whole thing is that it, you you end up feeling really sorry for Joe Frazier. Interesting, but that's all I can really tell you. Okay, that's all I can really tell. You. Um, but it's it's excellent. It would not be a waste of your time. It's fantastic. Oh, I don't believe anything. Um, I saw I saw the first episode. A waste of my time. Yeah, of course, of course. So yeah, so I, I, it it goes without saying. I saw the first episode. It's the same with the Hemingway thing. I saw the first episode on, um, I don't know, AMC or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I just went to the app because they, they stream it. They stream the whole series on their own app on this on the PBS yeah. app. Yeah. And I just went and watched the rest of it. And then ugh, the second rabbit hole was the, the TV show Evil. Oh, I watched good. season one oh, okay. and went right into season two. And I didn't realize the season two hadn't all dropped yet. So I figured I was like, yeah, I waited long enough. I'm going to watch both of these. And then there's still like three or four episodes that, that uh, oh, I'm happy uh, for. Which yeah, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and I, I literally devoured that series. That series, if you guys haven't seen it, it is batshit crazy. Cool. <laughs> it's the only thing I can tell you about it. It's just literally batshit crazy. There yeah. are There is a horror aspect to it. There is horror elements to it, but it's not primarily a horror thing. It's more... It's more of a question of faith and this and that. It's Paramount um, Plus, right? I yes. Okay. Yes. Where does it's, it balance that question of faith, Hassan? I'm not getting into it with you, Latham. Um, no, it is about it. It, it is a. I'm, a it, I'm asking where it balances it. Does it define its its universe, or does it keep it questionable? That's a hard question to answer. It it there are. There are psychological. It's it's a lot like the X Files, where there are psychological pos- or, or or metaphysical possibilities that that will answer the mysteries that they're tackling each week. But they but like Asif Mamvi is one of the one of the cast members. He usually comes up with a scientific answer for yeah, a but- lot of the possibilities that they that they come across. So. There's a problem, though, that the, the problem with the X-Files is the problem they made early on and why the show declined, I thought, quickly is you establish that you're showing things that are supernatural that are real in each successive episode, including a giant conspiracy of aliens. And then you're on episode, you're on season seven, episode five, and you're questioning, you know, Worm Man. 
and you've already shown Mothman and this man and whatever. It's like, he, he, why are you questioning it anymore? You did. <laughs> There's 80 examples in the previous 80 episodes of these things being real. So that balance is difficult to maintain. That's what yeah i will say about the show it's not it's not nearly that contrasting it, there's not someone like skelly or scully, scully who is i know someone named skelly that's why i did that um by accident there's not someone who's constantly trying to debunk the the real possibilities there is this is this is crazy what do you think this is about and then the the Mike Coulter character who is uh, studying to become a priest and he's a believer and he, he has visions and stuff like that. So they do, they, they do lean into that a little bit. He's like, I'm open to whatever you guys think that the, you know, whatever you guys discover is going to be the answer to this. I'm willing to accept it. So it's not like a, it's not a, it's not a theological battle every week. Um, but it does, it does start with the conceit that the church is righteous and that the you know the afterlife is real so you know does it make show you that or it or it concedes that theoretically it could show you that it hasn't really leaned into it i mean the main character is visited by a demon usually at night while okay, she's well, sleeping that's pretty much <laughs> that pretty and, much uh, defines its universe then so. but you don't yeah but i mean you don't know whether she's dreaming or whether it's real, like they oh. lean, they, they kind of do it that way. You know, you don't know whether or not this, I mean, cause at one point she debunks the, the demon as a, as a dream because she's set to trap for it. And then, it's a trap. you know, yeah. Okay. But then a couple of, couple episodes later, they, they, they find a way around that also. So it's, it's a, it becomes a mystery again. Okay. But anyway, the show is bad shit. It's really good. Okay. Not, not for Latham though. But it's really good for, for people who are not, uh, you know, not uh, conflicted about that kind of stuff or, you know, whatever. It's a really good show. And oh. that would um, that would cover it. That's oh. that's everything I saw. It was a lot this week. I was happy. Yeah. Very nice. Week. I think yeah, we've suffered enough. Anyway, uh, so for Dean's primary pick uh, as sort of a precursor to Scarimental, uh, we are going into Exorcist 3. Seventeen years ago, an extraordinary motion picture touched our most profound, nameless fears. Do you dare walk these steps again? Death be not proud, nor canst thou kill me. Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. A cop to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. Inside this cell. The killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. A man. Who are you? I am no one. A man we thought had died. 17 years ago, the real terror is back. George C. Scott in William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist 3. 1990, directed by William Peter Blatty with a running time of 110 minutes. 
Like Exorcist 2, this is a direct sequel to the original. Unlike Exorcist 2, it has less to do with the main characters and more about the theories and beliefs left over underlying from the 73 film. Also, unlike the first sequel, this film is watchable. Detective Kinderman follows the trail of a deceased serial killer who seems not only to have been possessed by an inmate in a local psychiatric ward, but is also able to escape his imprisonment and strike at will. Dean, why'd you pick Exorcist 3? <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, I, I feel like Exorcist 3 might be, in the annals of horror cinema, might be the elephant in the room. <laughs> it, it, I, I feel like it shouldn't have been as good as it is. Although it's written by the guy who wrote the first one, right? So, right. but because the second one was so bad, I have a feeling that, <laughs> that it hurt. Uh, and I don't know this for a fact because I didn't see it when it came out in 1990. But I can only imagine that the second one was so bad that it hurt uh, the, the, the sales, the, the, the tickets, you know, for Exorcist 3. They yes. probably thought nobody wanted to go see an Exorcist 3 after they saw it too, right? And, and Blatty didn't want Exorcist in the title. Oh, because well, he based it on the book Legion. Did he want to call it Legion? He based it on his novel Legion, and that's what he wanted to call it. Uh, but, the, but Morgan Creek was demanding that Exorcist be in the title to take care, to take brand recognition and tie it in right. with the original film. So uh, at, at first, Blatty had agreed to call it Exorcist 1990, uh, which then they changed around and made Exorcist 3. Right. So, okay. I remember seeing a documentary where he kept calling it Exorcist 90, and I'm like, why is he calling it that? That's why. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So um, I saw an early, early promo for it um, where it was actually called Exorcist 3 Legion. Oh, interesting. Before, it was like, like a couple of months before it came out. So like they were, they were messing around with the names for quite a while, you know, like right. trying to find an equilibrium with each other. And it's funny because um, Exorcist 3 Legion is what they actually call the director's, the restored director's cut from 2018. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to get your hands on. It, it is difficult. The only place you can get it is on the Shout Factory Blu-ray. Right. Which I have. And I started actually yeah. watching that the other night. And I think you watched the that version, Steve, recently. No, I was going to, but I actually ended up not being able to find a copy. So I'm actually going to have to go buy that that DVD because I really do want to see the different version. So I started watching it. I got halfway through and I started realizing I like the theatrical cut better. So I went back okay. to the theatrical <laughs> cut, which I think you guys all watched. Right. So, yes, um, it, it also it, it it I think this might be a hot take. But I think Exorcist 3 might be better than the first Exorcist, actually. I really, I love That's... the first movie. It's a brilliant film. William Freakin has gone on to say that it's not a horror film. <laughs> but it's definitely scary. <laughs> Generally considered to be the greatest horror film of all time. Exactly. Not a horror film. It's not a horror film. <laughs> um, but uh, I feel like i i was more entertained by exorcist 3 and the 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 charisma or the charm between uh ed flanders uh or ned flanders and ed flanders and george C. scott <laughs> ned flanders uh sorry, right um between those two guys a priest and a yes. cop uh i mean th there's a one minute monologue about a carp fish that yes. Josie Scott delivers where Flanders is just 
cracking up. That's his response. To, it made me want to watch a series, a TV series of those two guys. That's how good those <laughs> right. two characters are. And that's before you get to the scary stuff, you know? Yes. It also, it conflates or, or it parallels. There's like a serial killer, but the serial killer is dead. But is he back? Is he alive? He's called the Gemini killer. There's this whole other mystery. There's a whole other story happening while, you know, you're waiting for, you know, the devil, right? And and it I just felt like it was really clever. I thought the 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 uh the acting was 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 great. I I you know, and, and what brought me to this film because I re- I denied it was seeing the ninth configuration and going, who the hell wrote and directed the ninth configuration? discovering William Peter Blatty and then giving Exorcist 3 a try finally because again interesting I feel like that movie I have a feeling a lot of people haven't seen Exorcist 3 and it's so much better than anybody probably thinks it is that hasn't seen it I I would agree with you I would agree with you more if it was 10 years ago Oh, you think people uh, caught before, up to it by now? Yeah, I, I think people have caught on to the fact of that of of how good of a movie it actually okay, is. And okay. What's, and one thing I did find interesting watching it this time, I've seen this movie probably a half dozen times. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of my I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go out far that far as far as you on that limb to say that it's better right. than The Exorcist, but there are parts of it that are. Mm-hmm. One of the most interesting things I found watching it this time, because I was really kind of watching it more closely. Uh, it's interesting that it's probably 45 minutes in to the movie or, or possibly even longer before you before they even really entertain any parts of the horror aspect of the story. Right. It's all just basically a crime drama is a cop hunting a killer right you know and it's not until he basically says this guy's dead and i just saw a guy in one of your cells that i buried 15 years ago right that it starts to to turn a little Right. right but up until that point it's just it's just a cop drama. Right. With really interesting like takes on cops and priests that you haven't seen. Yeah. You know, it's a different, uh, you know, uh, characterization and played by great actors. Um, yes. Great cast in this. Such great casting. And then, but there is weird stuff happening right out. out the gate. Like he somehow, Blatty somehow is able to, he was able to do n- new ideas. Like, like the, one of the first things that happens in the first minute, and it's weird, is that you see, uh, uh, a crucifix open its eyes, you know. Uh, yes. Which is like, wait, what's going on? And and then some of the ideas of the horror, which kind of reminds me a little bit about. I have a feeling Seven was influenced by this movie because they would show you stuff, but sometimes the idea of what they were telling you was even worse in your imagination. Oh you know, yeah. Like what they did to that poor kid, and then and then you get an inkling of it, you know, uh, in, in yep. the movie. And I just loved. Um, and, and I guess I, I can't, it's, it's hard for me to, to talk about Exorcist 3 without talking about the ninth configuration because Blatty does certain similar things. Um, I feel like both movies, and we can talk about ninth configuration more later, but they both could have been plays. 
you know, you could have done a lot of the exorcists in that cell, you know, uh, a lot of the story could have, and just, you know, talk about what has happened that brought them those two together. And, and then of course, you know, ninth configuration takes place basically in one location as well. And it started to make me think, Oh my God, how incredible would an Arkham Asylum movie written and directed by William Peter Blatty would have been. (laughs) I would love to have seen, his Batman, Joker, Riddler, you know, the, the things that they would have talked about, you know, coming from, and it's just, the, the dialogue is so smart and rich uh, yep. in, in Exorcist 3 that it, it just holds up again on its own as a cop drama, you know, basically. But, oh, and, lo and behold, we also have, you know, a demon. And we also have right. a character from The Exorcist. You know, I mean, that's a little bit of a spoiler, right. but... Well, I mean, you have multiple characters from The Exorcist because Kinderman was in The Exorcist too. He just was played by Lee J. Right, Cobb. right, right, right. And but so, they, uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in the original, in his director's cut, in the original, the way they were originally shooting the film, Jason Miller was not going to be in this film. He was brought in because the studio demanded an actor from the original film be involved in this film, and that's why they went to Jason Miller. Uh, and unfortunately, Jason Miller could not do more than he did because he had become a debilitated alcoholic at the time and he could not remember his lines. Oh, I think, you know, it's um, so funny looking at, at him, especially last night, because, you know, sometimes you watch a movie a little bit differently when you know you're going to talk about it. Right. Sure. And I was thinking he looks awful and I couldn't tell that makeup <laughs> or is he like you just said, he was. Uh, yeah he was he was in the middle of a he was in a bad place and, but, and in watching the half of the blatty cut he's not in it yes correct and he, I thought, jason wait, miller is not in the blatty cut at all so then did they rewrite the the those scenes to, to be like where uh Dorsey scott's character is recognizing his old friend or was that rewritten I, I don't know and also that exorcism at the end is not in the movie either Really? That was added in because of the studio wanting that final. Nicole Williamson was brought in because he needed to play that father at the father end of the Morning. movie. He plays Father Morning. Yes. And and by the way, Nicole, I think you might have read this as well, was supposed to be the lead in Ninth Configuration. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, well, well, it was funny that. about and the, the thing with Nicole Williamson is so funny is whenever that guy talks, all I hear is Merlin just because that's what I'm <laughs> right. so I so know him from. <laughs> right. So when he starts, you know, sp- you know, speaking the litany in the jail cell, all I can think of is like, yeah. oh, so that fuck. I'm like, it works in the reverse also, because every time I hear Merlin, I see Nicole Williamson. Yeah, OK. Like, it's not Merlin. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Merlin's got a silver cap and he's so, like, you know, I will. Uh, I, I, have, I have more to say about uh, the exercise. Well, I want to, I want to uh, definitely want to, I just, I just thought like I was, the, I didn't do the deep dive on like, how was this movie made? Cause I just enjoyed right. for what I, I got right. For what I've yep. known. And again, it was such a surprisingly good, not only horror movie, but it's a really good movie. It's a good story, you know? Um, I agree. And I love how, I mean, we can talk about the amazing, that's another thing that Blatty does. He did it in the other movie as well. He, he uses theater. He, I, he's clearly into the Grand Guignol. Like, you know, he, he, he loves the theater of gore, but he also stages certain scenes like a play where it's a long yes. take and characters are moving around and then something, suddenly something happens. 
And of course, I'm talking about the scene in Exorcist 3 where the nurse in the hallway with the cop and she hears a noise and then she wow. goes to discover the noise and it, it's ice it's ice in a cup, you know, that's melting, right? Yeah. And then, of course, what happens next is, is so simple yet so terrifying. Uh, the guy waking up and yelling at her? Well, no, the guy waking up, but what happens after that? I don't want to... The single scariest filmed moment ever in film? Probably. Yes. Right? It is. Unbelievable how... But to stage it that way and to, and to take its time to yep. get there, to suddenly do this other thing, right? Um, I thought it was it's such a brilliant moment. And he does that even in the ninth configuration, not a scary version, but we can talk about that later. So it's obviously he, he was... It's almost like he didn't know how he didn't know really the, know the rules of making a movie. He just did what made sense. Correct. You know? Right. And even the, the lady crawling around the ceiling. <laughs> which Great is great. And one of the first times you've ever seen that in a movie. Yeah. And it's not only is it scary and terrifying, but it's funny. So it's just like messing with your sensibilities. Cause yes. you know, I think he was a comedy writer because he, he wrote a shot in the dark and he had done other comedies. And then he, was, he knew how to write funny. He knew how to write funny, but he also had this morbid obsession about, you know, God. What is God? And clearly, you know, and, and was, <laughs> was struggling and wrestling with this in such a fascinating and, and he never really gives an answer, but he makes you think about it. You know, even if you didn't want to think about it, suddenly you're thinking about it, you know. Right. I, I don't have too much to say except. Because because a lot of it is is it's not about spoilers necessarily, but it just it, it's so ambient and, and like there's a moment where George C. Scott is at home in the kitchen late at night, and I think it's his daughter is at the fridge, yeah, yeah, and she's getting a snack, but the way it's directed in stage is like a horror. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, because she shuffles over and then she's like, "Good night, Dad." Yeah, she's like <laughs> The Walking Dead or something. Like, what is going on? You know. And, and 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 in both movies, somehow, not that he gets away with it, but he uses blackface in both movies. Yes. Which is crazy, but whatever. Strange. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's... No, yeah. Uh, Latham? Imagine, uh, <laughs> imagine you and your girlfriend both love nature. And your girlfriend loves nature so much that she loves everything about nature. But you kind of like forests only. You only like like trees and forests and like grasslands and plains. That doesn't really interest you, but your girlfriend likes it. So you're willing to um, deal with that part of her liking nature. So how about mountains? I'm sorry. How about about mountains? No, just forest. Okay, just just forest. just forest. I mean, she likes everything, but you just like forest. Gotcha. So she plans this big nature trip and tells you it's going to be a surprise. We're just going to go on this big nature trip. You'll love it. So you set off on this nature trip. And for the first 40 minutes of the nature trip, it's just grasslands and plains. And she's super happy. And you're just like, eh, you know, eh, it's Okay. And then suddenly there's the most gorgeous forest you've ever seen for about eight minutes of the trip in the middle of the trip. And then on the other side of this forest are grasslands until the end of the trip. That's how I feel about Exorcist 3. Oh. Uh, I I don't like this movie. I don't think it's a good movie. Um, 
I think it's such a not good movie that the one brilliant scene in the middle is so good that it, that it buoys it up to about a two and a half star movie, which is what I gave it. And that's why I gave it a long time. And I watched it again, expecting to change my rating. And I didn't. I think George C. Scott's acting is questionable at best. Questionable. Uh, I, I don't. There, there are scary moments in the film, but it feels uh, the best movie I can compare it to is Inglorious Bastards, to where there's really good scenes, but you know there's scenes, and, and some of them are just disjointed, don't fit together, and seems like they're being just mishmashed in a row to try and come up with a coherent story. And I don't, I, I didn't. I didn't buy it. Uh, I don't think it's anywhere near the original, unlike Dean. Uh, I don't, I did not find it compelling. And I think that's why the, the scene that everyone talks about in the middle is so scary is that scene just, it's really unique. It's, I don't think it's the scariest scene of all time. It's probably top five. It's that good. But Probably top five. Probably top five. Um, I, I would love to know what you consider to be the scariest scene in film. Well, I'd have to think about well, it. Well, I, I understand I, that. I, I, I'm not going to try and waste time right now thinking about what it is. There are, there are other scary scenes. Uh, this one, uh, this film, I just, uh, I, it's got a real, it, it's got the problem of the awful sequel before it, which I know has nothing to do with it. But then you're trying to compare it to what I think is the greatest horror movie of all time. Uh, and that's coming from someone who's not religious at all. And I still think The Exorcist is one of, is the scariest movie I've ever seen and, and the best horror film I've ever seen. But this is just, there's just two, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you, what has religion got to do with horror? Well, it doesn't have anything to do with horror, but it can have something to do with horror. And you would think, if you know me, that my favorite horror movie would not be a religious horror movie. That makes sense. Uh, no, because I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. I think you can have a good religious horror movie that doesn't preach anything about religion. It's just part of the story. No, that doesn't make any sense. It either has religion or it doesn't. It's it's that simple. It's either okay. Supernatural. Religion. Go ahead and go on. Okay, so uh, I just I just don't I, the stuff with Jason Miller to me seems. Just, I mean, there's creepy points with the eyes and stuff like that, but it just seems really, like you said, like the studio wanted him to be in there. It's heavy handed. It feels like jammed in, like they're just jamming this in there and and they want this to be a part of the story. I I don't, I just, I I don't know. I didn't connect with it. Uh, I think the... One of one of the sequels that came after that, the prequels, uh, the what? The two prequels, the two prequels. One of those I think is better than this. Um, I don't remember which one off the top of my head. Yeah, um, I can never keep them straight either. To be honest with you, uh, I just it it this movie outside of that, it, it, it's one of the rarest movies. It's it, the 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 graph board is like this flat plateau and this just middle brilliant scene and that's it and it doesn't resonate with me on either side of it 
and I don't like it. Is this your first time seeing it? Is it your first time seeing it? Lately? No, I've seen it. I've seen it before. I saw it before once in the theater. Oh, that's right. That's and right. Then, that's right. And then I watched it again. And lately on the podcast, some things have changed over time or I've noticed things or, or found my early rating. Sure. I was too young or whatever. But this, right. it just didn't change. It just didn't, it just didn't get me. Uh, there are points that are scary, but I think the, the parts I don't like really bring this movie down. I really think I, George C. Scott is uh, just not. Well, you watch him for it, just like Eric Roberts or, or I'm trying to think of another, maybe even Christopher Walken or, or Shatner. There are actors who really ham it up, right? Nicholson. And George C. Scott's always biting his knuckles when he gets angry. He's like, do you <laughs> yeah. see the movie Hardcore? Right. Like you kind of watch George C. Scott so he can ham it up, right? At least I do. And so I'm expecting him to do that. It's I too am not a, a man of faith. I am not religious. So any of the horror that might be coming from the idea of God or the devil, and actually in my new play I write a little bit about that in a different way. But I that doesn't spook me. And how I related to the movie a little bit was I think that Georgie e. Scott is struggling with the idea of faith, and that's his underlying conversation with the priest. And even the priest is feeling a little cynical. But I think at the end of the day, the idea is is, is that there's hope, you know, for humanity, you know. And I, so there's hope, so, and then there's also demons. And, and there mean, you go, and there's demons. And demons right. ruin hope, usually. Yes, and 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 not to spoil too much, but in a way, Father Karras, played by Miller, uh, kind of has the same moment of an ending. You know, from yes. the Exorcist. Oh yeah, they kind of ape it a little yeah. bit with in a different way. <laughs> yep. You know, and that's where that's where hope comes in, I guess. Right? Yeah. Humanity. I, I just if if demons were real, I don't know what hope you would have for any. <laughs> I, I if that makes any sense. I guess I'm being too if, logical with it, but uh, proof for the devil is proof. I mean, I, I guess if there's demons, then there's God. Then you have hope that God would. Eh. I can't. This rabbit hole is just. I, I'm curious. Bottomless. Obviously, you want to hear Hassan what Hassan has to say, but there was my one criticism, and and I was trying to figure it out. Maybe you guys caught this, but why did the Gemini killer so badly want uh, George C. Scott, the cop, to uh, suffer? No, no. Uh, 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 talk about him in the press. He so badly wanted to because be, he's a serial killer, and all serial killers always want to be. Not all, but some do. Some do, yeah. Well, he was built around. I mean, this character was based on the Zodiac, so I mean, they were they were purporting that this guy would want to be talked about right. in the press because he was when he was alive in the first time. Okay, yeah, that makes okay, sense. Okay, got it. I just was a little confused. Like he talked about it a lot, and I was like, wait, what? What's because Blatty writes a certain way, like everything. <laughs> right. Sometimes it sounds like he's gone to left field, but actually, there's something in what he's saying that has everything to do about the movie, right? Like. He's that kind of a writer, I think. And I was just a little confused about that aspect of the story. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, that's sorry. all right. I, oh, I was just going to say real quick, uh, yeah. in, in the commentary about George C. Scott and watching him in this, it just made me want to go watch more George C. Scott stuff, to be honest. I, I just, I thought it was, I thought he was, it was fun to watch in this movie. Uh, yeah. But that's just me. Uh, Hassan, yeah. what do you... Uh, what did our, our, our resident non-horror I think of Exorcist 3? I assume you'd seen this before. Yeah. I, uh, I do not like horror movies at all. 
um, not even a little bit. And this show has actually made me like them less. <laughs> yeah, because of surprise. just just because of the process of uh, of of being forced to watch horror movies. This is the worst month of my life when it comes to this show, um, or this month coming up. Anyway, uh, however, Exorcist Three is one of my favorite movies of you know. I guess all time. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Um, I vehemently disagree about like the the structure of the story, the way the story is told. I vehemently disagree about George C. Scott. I disagree with Latham, um, which is not to say I invalidate his his comments about George C. Scott, but I, I just disagree. I think this is. Uh, I think this is an excellent movie. The the movie the horror movies I like usually okay. I don't like why I don't watch horror movies because they're kind of stupid, in my opinion. A lot of times they're stupid. The people they, it's predicated on stupidity. It it's uh it it propels. They usually propel themselves on stupidity. People do things that normal people well you would think theoretically normal people wouldn't do, and then it gets them killed. You know, and so on rare occasions where there's a there's a horror movie that I actually like where I would watch and I'm like, yeah, I would get killed because I would have done exactly what the protagonist just did, you know? Um, and those, that's scary to me. It's like, wow, there would actually be no way out of this um, for even a thinking person. <laughs> because a lot of times people are like, yeah, well, fuck you. I'm going to go out in the dark and wander around in the woods because I'm mad, you know? And then they just never come I'll back. I'll be right then, back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, fuck that. No one would do that. Maybe some idiot would do that. But you know what? In real life, that idiot would come back. That's the guy you hope yeah, would well, get killed. And he, right. would, he would end up, you know, st- still being your roommate in the in the cabin that you and your friends rented over the weekend or whatever. So... Whenever a movie, and I would I would include even though even though there's a debate as to whether it's a horror movie or not, and I don't really get, want to get it the fuck into it right now. But it, it it's same as like Silence of the Lambs, and you know whenever I whenever a movie conveys a feeling of unease throughout the entirety of the film, that I would consider a horror movie. That that movie bothers me. You know, like I'm I am. I am in. I am locked into the to whatever stupid thing any character is going to do because the, the there is a sense of peril throughout the entire story where that no one is safe and that the entire you know the entire scenario the entire circumstance of the film is dangerous for you know for the average person. It's just a place I would not want to find myself. So like you know you go into a haunted forest and you could say it's fucking haunted, but if in, unless you convey to me that 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 you know there's some creepy shit in that forest. You know, uh, I'm not I'm not afraid. And I think it's dumb. And I think it's stupid that you would even be in the forest. Um, Dude, you get scared outside my house. Yeah. So <laughs> but, <laughs> what doesn't scary about the outside of my house? Sure. There is. <laughs> I could paint to you a, a 50 or 60 different scenarios where the outside of your house is scary as fuck. <laughs> and that's all going through my head. Which is another reason why horror movies are not scary. I'm like, that's not scary. That's not scary. That would not scare me. There's nothing. When I was when I was 12 years old, I was lost in the woods for six hours. Uh-oh. I've never been afraid of anything like that ever again. So fuck most horror movies. Oh, However, <laughs> that, that said, that said, whenever a movie makes me feel like, holy shit, just get away. You know, like, let me just just get this movie away from me. That I consider an effective horror movie. Okay. 
strangely enough, I'm attracted to movies like that. You know, I used to be. Now, nowadays, I'm not. I don't have the bandwidth to to, to go looking for them anymore. But um, this movie, I, I think, really does that. I I do like the slow burn of the movie. I, I like that it starts out like a just you know an average. I mean, what cop's gonna wake up? It's like you know what? Today I'm gonna find my friend who's I think has been dead for 15 years and then fight a demon. You know, it's like it's never. You, you, you know, it, it never works out. Even the original Exorcist took like 30 minutes to, to heat up, although um, freaking had a lot of hints as to what was going to happen in the scenery, you know, while, while right. the, the movie was, was heating up. But it was another slow burn. It takes a long time to get into these things. Um, I, I believe and I feel like you have to like uh, this movie is predicated on, on liking George C. Scott in order to follow it. Because there's not a lot of stuff. It's not. There's not a lot of action in it whatsoever. There's almost no action. It's all after the fact. It's all aftermath. It's all finding bodies. It's all showing up late. That's you true. Know? And, um, so you have to like this guy, and then it, through him, you have to, to to feel his affection that he has for all his friends around him, especially uh, uh, the priest who who was heinously murdered and. Uh, and his daughter, who was almost heinously murdered, very close to. If it weren't for that jump cut, she'd be dead. If it weren't for so, that cop grabbing her by the head and pulling her over. Yeah, I think that was her mom. That was, was her mom. mom. I, th- I thought it was the, co- yeah, I it was the it was grandmother. The, I thought it was the cop next door, but okay. I think it's the grandmother. She's like, fuck that. That's not happening. You know, <laughs> I didn't wake up for that to happen today. Uh, the gem of the film, the, the unsung hero of the film is Brad Dourif, who always. Is, just you know it's just to me i that scenario i will watch it any in any circumstance where someone has to go to see someone else usually in a jail cell or a hospital room and that person just tells them just begins to tell them the most bad shit you know crazy stuff and everything that person says is important and the other the the listener is compelled to listen or forced to to listen just due to the circumstances of the film and it's it's my it's my favorite storytelling component you know it's, hmm. it's it's just fantastic to me so you know there's a there's this guy he's a, first of all it's it's a yep. what's his name is jason miller and yes like everybody says he looks like <laughs> he looks like 10 miles of bad road he looks really bad he's got but he's got he's got this wonderfully uh, you know kind of hushed One and still movement nest. And this deep voice, and this like almost disinterest, right? You know, uh, this playful disinterest, and then boom, like Brad Dourif just bursts out of him, you know, and and he's like, no, you know, I'm the Gemini killer, you know, look at me, like, and then and then Brad Dourif just chews scenery for twenty minutes, you know, in any <laughs> any movie, there's nothing happens. That is the most energetic moment in the film, and nothing is going on but two people talking to each other. That's fantastic. I just, for me, it's just, it wins the film. It's my favorite thing. Um, and that was, I think that was my intro. That wasn't my introduction to Brad Dourif. I had seen Dune when I was a kid, but you know, that's me putting the pieces together of, wait a minute. I know this guy, this, this particular, yeah, I've seen him a hundred times, but this is the movie that I noticed him, you know, that I took note of him, figured it, found out his name and then, you know, became a fan of his, you know, throughout that, uh, and he's never, you know, Brad Dourif never disappoints. He's just an amazing uh, character uh, in, in no matter where you put him. And he's always going to stand out, you know. The, yeah, that, that scene is fucked up. 
the the one we were all talking about. I remember exactly where I was the first time I saw that scene. Wow. I remember exa- and I remember exactly what the rest of that evening was like after I saw that scene. <laughs> like I just seen some fucked up shit. Um yeah, it's absolutely uh, there's there's such great stuff in that scene just like the the casualness with the way the cop just kind of disappears. Like the cop just wanders off into into another part of the of the floor where he can't be seen. And it's just it's it's setting up the the demise of this um of this nurse without without any pomp and circumstance like you said just like he doesn't understand the rules of 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 movie making which means he's not giving anything away he's not there's there's not obvious tells that something horrendous is about to happen um the you know there are there are conceits in it uh like he he she goes into the room wakes the doctor up and he's like what's your name and she said my name is keating so you know her name is a k name which you know, which sets her up as a as a victim of the Gemini killer. Just little subtle fucking things that you know you would appreciate it as a novelist, because that's kind of how novelists uh, delineate information. Like it's just a, a piece. That if you pick it up, good. If you didn't, if you missed it, that's not my problem. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shine a light on it. Uh, I I love this movie. I am. I'm loath to find out that Karis is not in the director's cut and the exorcist is exorcism. Although, yes, I knew the, uh, the, the, uh, Nicole Williamson just kind of does come out of nowhere at the end. Like yeah. he's in the beginning, he's bookend, you know? Yeah. So it's like, where the hell did this guy come from? And how does he even know? Like, you know, he's, in a, just... he's in a room. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's got a bird on a windowsill. The bird dies. Uh, a cross falls, a big wind comes in, and then you don't see him for an hour, and he shows up and yeah. says, hey, I'm going to exercise yeah. this guy. Right. Yeah. Arr, arr, arr. It's like, oh, come on, dude. Like, you know, what is... not <laughs> <laughs> But you know what's funny? Like, like just real quick, just respond to Father Morning. Like, he's not in the, in, in what I saw of the Blatty cut, he wasn't in that. Correct. I don't think he's at, at all, and neither's Nope. But I have to say, I actually didn't mind that you, you see him bookended like that, and you know exactly what he's there for. Like, I, uh, yeah, but I mean, okay, there are there are certain things in in certain movies where they make the same blatant mistake that you would not forgive in another movie. But because right. of the overall the success, in my opinion, the overall success of the atmosphere of the movie, and the and the other. Um, the other story beats that were navigated really well in the movie, you forgive like little anomalous, like what? Where'd that guy mm-hmm. come from? You know, like with, mm-hmm. how did he get in there? Because uh, there's an entire <laughs> sequence in the beginning about how they get in there to even in see the, the door, guy in the first place. Shows up. Yeah, yeah. Merlin just floats into the room and starts, That's you right. know, spraying holy water on the guy. But I just, you know, you by then the, the movie's got me, so I don't care. You know, like I, I, right. I, I let's let's just let's just get this over with. Um, I love this movie. Uh, it was a, uh, it was. I'm, I was really thrilled to see it was on the roster for this week that we were going to discuss it. Um, it. I know it's uh, completely uncharacteristic of me uh, because it is. It is very blatantly a horror movie, you know. But um, <laughs> but I, I was a fan. I, I you know, it, it. It also does have a mystery aspect to it. It's not just yeah. uh, you know there are intelligent people in the film trying to decipher the film you know and so like it's it's kind of the same thing with the the exorcism of emily rose which is another horror movie that i enjoyed 
mm. where it's just it's not it's not there are horror elements in it there are really horrific elements in it but it's mostly arranged as a mystery that you're unfolding or or you know it's a it's a kind of uh rashomon kind of situation where the the situation the the incident has already happened and you're recounting it and you're revealing it uh, piece by piece so i i i might it might just be format for me it might it's not it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not i like horrific scenery it just it just i need it all to be in a particular format for me to really want to digest it exorcist 3 is is definitely in that format so uh, you know that's it's one of my favorite movies i'll I'm have sorry, to uh, no i was just going to say i'll have to show you the uh the movie called the dark and the wicked uh, which is a, a film from last year, which is necessarily like Exorcist Three, but it's a really, it's a really unique take on that kind of story. It was uh, it was really good. My only the ending I felt was a little soft. Other than that, uh, the the movie itself was was pretty cool. But um, but yeah, I mean, I this movie. It was interesting, you know, Dean's talking a lot about the ninth configuration and we'll be dealing with that film shortly. You know, one, when, when freaking did it, what? One, one point, uh, since we kept talking about Nicole Williamson and Merlin, what the irony is that uh, uh, John Borman directed Exorcist 2. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is... Well, you know, and it's the, funny you bring that up because it, I was I was actually talking to Latham a little bit about this last night. Uh, we were talking about something else and it came up, but I actually did a little bit of a dive into Exorcist 2 because I needed some context about some of the things. And so I ended up doing a little bit of a background dig into Exorcist 2. Uh, and I watched this again. I watched Exorcist 2 again. I don't want to say recently. I recently within the last two years. And it's as bad as I remember it, but <laughs> I was going to say, did you do it at a gunpoint? <laughs> no, 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 no. But Deirdre, Deirdre had never seen it. And, uh, uh, and I was, I was, it's, you know, it's like I revisited nightmare on Elm street too. Also recently, because I, you know, basically the only time I had seen it was in the theater. I just remember it being horrible. Um, <laughs> when I rewatched it, it actually wasn't as bad as I originally felt about it. So, uh, but it was interesting because a while yes borman was the director of heretic he actually got sick from a fungal infection uh from the dust from when they were shooting the africa scenes and he ended up not even being on set for like 30 days and the screenwriter ended up directing a good portion of the movie and just wasn't given directing credit because he wasn't in the guild. So they couldn't give him directing credit. But Linda Blair has said that the, that the screenwriter ended up directing a good portion of the movie. So, I mean, mm. even though this name, this movie has Borman's name on it, yeah, uh, you good. don't, we don't know what it actually. And Linda Blair he's is not also, the guilty part of party. The, the, <laughs> well, the other part of that, the Linda Blair has said is that like she and Ellen Burstyn, Ellen Burstyn, no, Ellen. No. Ellen. What's Ellen Burstyn. Who's the mom? Ellen is it Ellen Burstyn? Yep, Ellen Burstyn. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, Ellen Burstyn. Had been approached multiple times for to do a sequel. Uh, they had both turned it down, 
Uh, obviously, she turned it down anyway, but uh, but Linda Blair signed on because she liked the script. Well, by the this thing got so chopped up when they started making it and they were getting she's like, literally, they were rewriting it on set the day as we were filming. And she's like, and it turned into I mean, she's like, by the time we were two thirds of the way into this, it was no longer the script that I had signed on to do. But obviously, yeah. I was under contract yeah, and I couldn't. Yeah. You know, I couldn't just leave the leave the picture. Um, so we don't really know. And I looked, I tried to find online a copy anywhere of, of that original of that original script, not the shooting script, because a shooting script obviously would be a cobbled together thing, piece of like daily script rewrites. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. I would love to see what that original script was actually like, you know. And what that would have looked like that, that at least made her interested enough to sign on in the first place. Uh, I found it interesting. So when when Blatty first started talking about this, this third installment, he had approached Friedkin about doing it. Um, Friedkin had kind of moved on at that point and was just like, I, 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 you, you have very specific thoughts and ideas about this. I'm I'm I don't I'm, I'm kind of. I'm, I'm done with that. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't need to go back to that world. And, uh, and it, apparently he, free, uh, Blatty also approached John Carpenter about this. Hmm. Uh, and apparently Carpenter was interested and initially at least. And once he had some conversations with Blatty, he realized that Blatty had very specific, like Friedkin had found out he had very specific ideas about, how things should be done, how things should be portrayed, this and that. And John was just like, listen, you've you've clearly got all this kind of, you're not just handing me a script and saying, make this movie. You've got a portion of this already figured out and, mm-hmm. and how you want it done. He's like, there's no, there's no sense in giving this, in giving this to me. This is, this is, a, this is not a project that I would take on because it's not yeah, going to work out between the two of us. So, yeah. so Carpenter ended up declining. But that that's another interesting version of this film that would have been, uh, you know, I think, I think when you hear that that Steven Spielberg almost directed Return of the Jedi and you're like, wow, that would have been a completely, you know, that would have been a yeah. totally different monster from what we got. So, like, imagine John Carpenter making this movie. I don't know. I don't know. His sensibilities are completely different. Yeah. And the, uh, the producers, the studio, Morgan Creek. Um, apparently we're, we're like, we're treating Blatty so badly, even like on set in front of the other actors that at multiple times in the years since actors have voiced their support of Blatty and like how badly he was treated by the studio, like, mm-hmm. and not like in behind closed doors, like, like studio execs would come on the set and like, tell him the unit, this needs to, and like demand things of him that need to happen in front of like everybody and like completely take away any semblance of power that he had. Uh, and, uh, and Morgan Creek and Carol Co were, were the two that wanted to make this movie. And, uh, and Carol Co wanted their Carol Co's take on it was they wanted Reagan giving birth to possessed twins. So uh, that is why Blatty went with Morgan Creek. <laughs> Wow. Yes. Wow. But he did, but Blatty did write and direct the the new stuff that he 
originally didn't want in the movie, right? They didn't get someone else to come in. No, he did it because he didn't want someone else coming in. He goes, he goes, if someone, they're going to bring someone else in to do this, the exorcism sequence and all that kind of stuff. He's like, at least I'll be able to do it in a way that I know will fit with my movie. Right. And not just be shoehorned in by some other director. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, the, the great metal line by Dowerf in this movie, because this is two years after the first child's play movie, when George C. Scott asks him how he's escaping and he says, it's child's play. Uh, you guys, you uh, noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. So wait, that. so that's what was really the good. original ending? If there wasn't an exorcism. I don't know, because that's the thing I was watching, because I was trying to see where the movie differentiated and basically when he starts to fight with the possessed nurse in the kitchen, that's when they cut to Nicole Williamson showing up at the hospital to right. do the exorcism. Yeah, and that's, that's what calls her off, right? It's implied right. that she, she would have won that fight against a uh, kinderman. And well, and that's what, and that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if, if, cause it seems to me like in that moment, it almost seems like she, like her body is having like, a heart attack and dying and that's what's causing the you know the demon to be forced to leave the body because the body's going to be dead well the impression i got was that he had to get I, back to Karis's body because i, I agree some, some, ran, some rando guy was sprinkling water on him <laughs> i agree yeah. so so i have like i said i was watching i'm gonna watch it's probably in here it, oh it, I'm, it is and I think that she shot some fake scenes as well. They got stuff from the VHS. Sorry. They got, they, they re- put in some stuff from, from VHS versions of scenes well, that were shot. Well, what had happened was uh, Blatty always wanted to go back and do a director's cut with his original ending and all the scenes and, and the edits and changes that he had done. And he was waiting for Morgan Creek to, to, to kind of dig up the footage from the Morgan Creek film vault. And basically they came to find out, or they had come to find out that all those original, all that original film stock was gone. It was, it was either disappeared or been destroyed. So they could not restore it. And that's why he had come out earlier and said, well, there's no way we can ever do that cut because that film was gone. Now, the year before he died, they actually that's when they came across the VHS copies of the dailies. And that's what they took that footage from. And that's why there's a note, I believe, at the beginning of that film that says there's a difference in quality. That the reason is, is we had to take this from these VHS copies of the dailies because the original film stock is no longer available to anybody. Yeah. And it's jarring. It's 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 really bad, like especially on a Blu-ray. Right. The film is right. And then you get to these bad VHS. And then I think they also might have shot some stuff for this cut that. But I forget. I forget what the actual note said. It seemed like they have also done new footage as well. Whoever put this together. So, yeah, I know that his cut is five minutes shorter than the theatrical cut, which is interesting. But it's still even, you know, if you take out the 10 minute exorcism scene, it's still interesting. I'd still like to know how exactly that ending kind of how he wraps things up right, right um bunch of great cameos i'll be beyond the uh, obvious patrick ewing one and uh and fabio and uh 
And when they're Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson, Samuel Jackson, Jackson. Uh, when they're having lunch at the beginning in the restaurant, there's a shot and C. Everett Coop is sitting at the bar and uh, and Larry King is sitting at one of the tables uh, that they they kind of pass by before they go to them. Some some funny cameos that that Patrick Ewing cameo always got me. I was always just like, how the hell? Why do you Patrick Ewing in there? And there's because like, <laughs> it's like it's not even like he's standing up, and you really can be impressed no, by his no. overall size. You know, it's right. like right. he's just hanging out there playing cards. But uh, but yeah, I uh, you know, I sorry, Lay, but uh, I I I love this movie. That's, yeah, you guys can all love it. I mean. <laughs> be wrong who cares yeah, yeah i don't care if all three of you are wrong or not <laughs> i live in a world where people are wrong i don't give a shit <laughs> yes <Yeah>, cinematic midgets <laughs> Cin- <laughs> Cin- <laughs> adults <laughs> yeah, exactly. anyway that is the exorcist three all right so, guys well i'm gonna be out it's great right. talking Good to and see you, a, Dean. Have, Thanks again. To you too. Have a good Hello, night. Dean, Talk to you care, soon, pal. Man. All right. Bye-bye. Metal. Bye. <laughs> Uh, thanks to Fesley and Music. Please check out our website at cinementalpod.com for all of the previous episodes. And don't forget to download and subscribe to Cinemental wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can always listen to new episodes at cinementalpod.com. Also, of course, you can follow us on all major social media accounts at cinementalpod. For Asan Godwin, Lathan Conger III, Dean Haspiel, and myself, we say thank you so much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and body-jumping serial killer, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night.